0: The Choose Love Movement offers no-cost solutions that keep our kids safe, providing them with the skills and tools they need to flourish. Join us in our mission to create the world we want to live in, one that's connected and compassionate. Check us out at chooselovemovement.org. Together, we can choose love. Hey, everybody. This is Scarlett Lewis, founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. Thank you all for joining us today on the Choose Love Podcast. I have an incredibly special guest today, Pastor Troy Martinez. He is a very dear friend of mine. We've known each other for years. Our paths cross sometimes at the White House, and he is also uh, works with dads in schools in Las Vegas. Um, This is a partner organization of the Choose Love Movement and an organization that I feel very passionate about when it comes to school safety. I wanted every one of you to be able to meet Pastor Troy, as well as hear about this incredible organization called Dads in Schools and how you can actually bring it to your school to enhance your child's safety, health, and well-being. Thank you so much for being with us, Pastor Troy.
1: Thank you, Scarlett, for uh, inviting me today, and thank you for all the listeners that are um, here with us, and um, very unique opportunity to share some of the incredible things that are happening here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and many people don't realize that there's a, a real town of over 2 million people. It's uh, becoming a big city, and uh, it's not just the Las Vegas strip. Uh, where the tourists are gambling and and enjoying shows. Uh, But there's a a large community that really cares about their children's safety at schools. And so that's how, um, you know, Vegas is looked at from our perspective. And we want to share part of that with um, all of the listeners today. And so thank you and thank you for the Choose Love movement. Um, for allowing us to be part of all the work that you're doing nationally.
0: Oh my gosh, we are so honored. So Pastor Troy, do you want to introduce yourself to the Choose Love listeners and talk about, uh, well, I call you Pastor Troy. So you can start there and then you can talk about your role that you play within 10,000 kids, your organization, and go from there.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, first and foremost, you know, um, my name's Troy Martinez. And 25 years ago, um, I was uh, pastoring a church in Los Angeles and my wife and I came to visit. Las Vegas and we saw this tremendous need so we prayed and our church affiliation group decided to send us to Las Vegas as inner city missionaries so we were we came to pastor the city but what we didn't realize 25 years ago is that there was a tremendous need in so many areas. Uh, Las Vegas is um, a very unique melting pot. Uh, We have the fifth largest school district in the nation here with over 300,000 students and 40,000 staff. So as a pastor, I had my work with the church. But as a father, my children at that time were in public school and we saw guns coming into the school. We saw girls being sex trafficked. We saw drugs that were being directly brought from across the border into our schools and being peddled. We saw gangs from all over the nation, from Chicago gangs, New Orleans gangs, Los Angeles gangs, uh, thriving recruiting here at this growing school district. So as a father, I wanted to protect my own children and the other children. And that's how we initially got involved with uh, creating a nonprofit called 10,000 Kids. And that would grow into the Dads in Schools nonprofit they were currently doing, where we actually recruit men and women from their own community to go serve after an FBI background check and some training They go serve directly on campus. So this is unique in the nation where you have the public coming into the school on campus, interacting with the students and staff to help mentor, to encourage, but most of all, to protect these students so that they can learn. We've seen bullying reduced We've seen violence, like fights, reduced. We see attendance increase because children don't wanna go to school. They get that early morning stomach ache. (laughs) I'm sick, I got a stomach ache, because they don't wanna go to school and face the violence, face the, the sexual pressure that is put on them, face the temptations to have to try drugs, peer pressure, to use drugs when sometimes they don't even want to. And th- that allows them to go to school without fear and instead learn. So we've seen academics increase because of the dads in school program.
0: That is stunning. I, I mean, it's it's amazing. And, and not to mention the fact that the kids actually see their parents stepping up and actively doing something to keep them safe. I mean, I think we're at uh, a unique time in our country where we've just accepted that school shootings are gonna happen and they do on a regular basis. Uh, we just had a school shooting in a high school in Iowa and it wasn't even the top news line in, uh, in any, any of the media outlets. So I think that, you know, I've even had a fourth grade class contact me and they were doing a school project on school safety and trying to figure out different ways that they could feel safer. By the way, this is elementary school. So they were kind of taking it into their own hands on on this school safety issue. I mean, kids are losing confidence um, in our ability to keep them safe. And so this is part of the reason why I absolutely love dads in schools. Um, one, you've got parents that are volunteering and they're showing up for their kids. I mean, positive action is is really an indicator. We can say all day long that we love and care our, care about our kids, but until we actually get up and do something... Um, then that concept, I feel, is solidified. And so parents showing up at school and, and uh, monitoring hall uh, hallways, uh, helping with conflict, answering questions, um, just being there, uh, being a part of their child's life is so incredible. And the fact that you've seen reduced bullying and increased attendance, um, do you have statistics with that, ha- have, has there been research?
1: So absolutely, the, the school district tracks attendance, academics. Mm-hmm. And so the schools um, that we have, so we were in 146 schools and there's approximately 360 school campuses here because it's such a large school district. So there there, there is data that reflects those And the most important data we get directly from the principal of each school. And when you have a principal telling us, can you bring on more volunteers? We're seeing that the the staff are not afraid anymore. Um, We're seeing less incidents and they want to maintain that. And you mentioned something earlier about um, how common mass shootings are becoming, whether it's in a school, or in in public and so one of the terrible tragedies that happened october 1 2017 here in las vegas was a mass shooting on the las vegas strip it, it is the largest mass shooting since the civil war and so just uh, uh you know 59 people murdered over 800 injured uh, thousands of people were impacted. Uh, there was you know, tens of thousands of people on the strip uh, that were either at the concert itself or uh, in adjacent to the area around that. And then you have all of the first responders, the hospitals. And so this tragedy where um, a, a man with many um, high caliber rifles that were converted to fully automatic on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay, you know, opened fire to a concert where they were enclosed. They were, it was fenced in. It was like fish in a barrel. And it was just a terrible tragedy, including one of our Las Vegas Metropolitan Police officers, who was actually a friend of mine and had worked on another program with myself and my daughter, Kristen, uh, called Recap, Rebuilding Every City Around Peace. And he was actually killed, uh, Charles Hartfield, uh, during that event, uh, as well as 58 other civilians that lost their life. And it changed our city forever. Um, Most people, when they hear or see a mass shooting on the television or or read it in a a headline on their phone, uh, that's the extent of it. But what they don't realize is there's a ripple effect that impacts that city and those families um, for generation. It really does. And so uh, that's the uh, untold story many times. It's not just a body count, not just a number. Sadly, we're seeing that in the media where uh, they're adding up the body count and the injured. And that's what the news is, not the human impact and toll. And so that's one of the factors that causes us to be so passionate about what we do.
0: And of course, you are a first responder, Pastor Troy. So you are the person that they call in the middle of the night when something happens. Uh, and, And so you were called when this event happened and you were on the scene you were talking to the media you were helping the families that is you're a first responder in that regard
1: so uh, we, we we obviously have our, our law enforcement and our paramedics and fire and the emts and you know they're qualified that some wear guns and badges some they have their trauma kits and they they all have a specific role to play and we play a role also Um, The role is restoration, Um, the role that we play is response to the tragedy, um, to comfort the families, to help bring calm to the city, to reduce fear, to try to stop any copycats or retaliation. And so there's, there's a major role that the community plays, and we have a unique program here in Las Vegas Uh, called Rebuilding Every City Around Peace. So our mayor, um, on the the day that this tragedy took place, you know, October 1, and by October 2, we were on the steps of City Hall, standing with the mayor. We put that event together upon her request. And we had media from around the world, you know, Japan and Europe and the BBC and Australia and and the entire world because of the name recognition of Las Vegas wanted to know what happened. And it it was still preliminary much of the information because it had been less than 24 hours, but that needed to take place. People needed to know what's going on. Is it still a threat? And what are we gonna to do to heal? Um, you know, How's this gonna impact us? When will life go back to normal? And we didn't have all the answers, but we made sure that we were all aware of it. We needed to address those. And so that was part of what we were expected to do. We also produced a 30-minute documentary that was aired on every television station um, it was the airtime was donated so that we could prepare our city what to expect and we brought experts from all across the nation that had been at other tragedies They had been at 9-11 they had been at hurricane katrina they'd been at the fires in um california and they had been at um, uh, you know colorado mass shooting at the high school there and and we saw that they had information for us about what to expect in our schools, what to expect in our families, and what they predicted actually came to pass. We actually saw the impact of that, but we also had the opportunity to prepare for that.
0: I think it's uh, you know something you said a little while ago that people don't realize the aftermath of traumatic experiences like that for generations and i can say personally that uh i know we had a new town resiliency center that was started shortly after the tragedy and it the the need for this trauma actually escalated at 5 years and then escalated again at 10 years which was not the expectation the expectation was that we would be able to kind of wrap it up but in actuality at the 10 year on the 10 year anniversary i was there uh, receiving treatment and there were people there like first responders that were receiving treatment for the first time and so this is uh, you know one of our ambassadors from new hampshire shannon desilets she always says when she talks to people about choose love in schools she says look, you don't have time not to do this because she's one of the therapists that came on the scene right after the tragedy. She's a trauma therapist and she's been treating in Newtown for the past now 11 years. And she's saying, I know personally, I was there. You know, uh, sometimes uh, people in schools say, well, we don't really have time for proactive prevention where we have to focus on academics. And she's saying, look, you don't have time not to do this because, uh, you know, then then something might happen. And, and, and what I say now is that I think before, maybe 11 years ago when Sandy Hook, uh, the tragedy here happened, you could say, ooh, that's hopefully never going to happen to me. And of course, you hope it doesn't. But it's happening in random places everywhere. Sandy Hook is, to me, the most random place because I used to think that. That happens to other people and other places, but it could never happen to this little community called Sandy Hook, a little borough of Newtown with stone walls and colonial houses. And it's just too quaint an area. No, it it did. This is still the worst mass shooting in an elementary school. So it does. And even if you don't know somebody that was involved in a school shooting. You do know someone that has a a mental illness. You do know somebody with a substance abuse issue. And so what this, this suffering is impacting all of us now, and it requires that we all take responsibility for what's going on in our world so that we can be part of the solution. I think maybe until now, we've also kind of been Thinking, you know, there's got to be somebody that's coming in to fix this, right? There's got to be somebody from our government or aren't there people that, you know, we pay taxes for that, that are going to help us with this. And I think we're realizing now, whoa, wait a minute, nobody's coming. To help us with this, we're, you know, this is on us. We are responsible for our children's safety, health, and well-being. We're responsible for what's going on in our communities. And so the thing I love about uh, what you're doing, Pastor Troy and Dads in Schools, is that it is a way, I mean, and people say, yeah, okay, what do we do? Well, Dads in Schools gives you an ability to do something proactive, and oh my gosh, once you do that, it feels so good. It, it we know that the opposite of anxiety is positive action. Once you once you volunteer one time, you want to do it again because it feels so good, and you know that you're part of the solution. And that's what it's going to take.
1: Uh, so true. Um, the the community. Has to retake has to take responsibility. The community is the solution. And many of the problems that happen in the school are problems that come from the community into the school. It's not the other way around. When when children go to school, they're not given a gun. They're not taught to hate. They're not, you know, given mental illness at school. They bring that. With them into the school, and so we we know that as the community we have to take responsibility. Dads in schools is a perfect example of something tangible. I I see it after every tragedy and mass shooting. People say, "Well, we don't just want thoughts and prayers," you know. As a pastor, I'm not offended by that. Uh, Thoughts and prayers have their place, Mm -hmm. but You know, God himself says faith without works is dead. It has no power. So we need works. We need action. And that action is you volunteer. You get involved. Maybe you can't volunteer for whatever reason, but you can help recruit somebody. You can promote the program. Uh, You know, I talk to local um, nonprofits. Local churches. I say there's a high school, middle school, and elementary near your physical location. Whether it's a church or a nonprofit or a business, adopt it. Get 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 involved. Be part of the solution. And you know the fact is that the children need it. Uh, fatherlessness in Clark County School District. Um, there's a high percentage of single-parent households. It's 81% minority population. You got over 300,000 students. 81% of them are from a minority background and 69% approximately are under the poverty level where they have to get free lunch and they don't have the advantages in a two-parent household household or the income that other families have. And so they're already disadvantaged. The fact is when you go into that school with a what they wear is a referee, NFL referee football style jersey. So it kind of uh, shows they're there to not be in the game, but to make sure everything's fair, make sure everything's safe and uh, they stand out. So they're highly recognizable. So even kids that are being bullied or pressured or maybe they don't wanna take drugs or maybe they're being pressured to go out you know, behind the bleachers and have sex. Instead of being forced to do that, they'll gravitate towards where that man is or that woman with the jersey and they'll just kind of hang around. And we notice that the people pressuring them kind of filter away and then they feel safe again and there's at least one safe spot. And that isn't there if we don't volunteer. So the schools appreciate it much. They, they, they love the dads in school presence. And the other thing that we learned is that the trauma that happened October 1, 2017, those that were children at the time, right after that, our school district began to put in drills, active shooter drills. So I grew up in Los Angeles where we had earthquake drills. And we had to prepare, you know, when there supposedly was, would have been an earthquake, and we'd get under our desk or whatever they told us to do. Well, in these active shooter drills that they're doing now, children are told there's someone outside with a gun that wants to kill you. And we're going to hide. We're going to turn the lights off. We're going to lock the door. You have to be quiet. So some children understand it's a drill, some feel like, is this because it's going to happen to me soon? And then they see it on the news. And one of the things we learned from one of the national experts is a young brain, when they see a tragedy like that repeated on the news cycle over and over and over, they think it's happening again. They don't realize that was yesterday's news or Columbine happened 25 years ago. They see it now and they they relive it. So just recently-
0: We know, you, let me just say, we know even our brains, we don't know, be, our body doesn't know between reality and imagination. So if we're imagining something or we're watching something, our bodies are responding because they don't know that it's not happening right now.
1: That is so true. Yeah, And we just had um, less than two months ago here at the UNLV here in Las Vegas, a mass shooting- where a professor went on to campus and started to shoot and kill other professors, and so um, the terrible tragedy, you know, hit national news. That the police responded within 68 seconds and shot him to death, and it was very frightening. It was frightening personally for two reasons. One, my son-in-law was actually working there. He installs wiring for cameras. He was actually working at the UNLV campus and was locked down and wasn't released until the SWAT team came and let them go free. Mm. The other thing is one of our dads in school's um, main workers uh, that helps us, he's in leadership staff. His, His daughter was on campus and was in the same building where the shooter was uh, killing the professors. And she actually was instructed by her professor to run outside of the building instead of hide in in shelter in place because the building had mostly glass windows in that particular spot she was. So the mother uh, of the daughter, Drove and picked her up uh, blocks away from UNLV campus while the the scene was still active, and so it hit very close to home. But the but the thing that struck most was there was these interviews that took place of students. These are now adults in their twenties and thirties, and one of the uh, biggest profound things that I heard was one of the students was saying, many of us were talking about the drills that we had to go through when we were in middle school, when we were in high school, the drills, the active shooter drills, and now here we are on campus at our college, and it really happened, and so they said the fears that we always had deep inside of us came, the nightmare came to reality. Hmm. And I and I thought, wow, that is indicative of what we're talking about. They suffered the reality of it, but they said the fear was always there since middle school and high school. Just having to go through an active shooter drill was traumatic in itself. And I thought, what about all the other... The, 300,000 students and those graduating and all of them are coming into our society with this internal trauma of having to go through an active shooter drill. So there's a real problem. And you said something, who's addressing it? What government agency is looking at how this is going to affect our culture, our society? Is it going to be a social norm where when someone doesn't get their way like this professor, they believe part of the motive was he had been turned down four separate times, four separate applications to work at UNLV as a professor and each rejection mounted up to where he just went in and uh, killed about three people and shot some others. And so is it going to be a social norm when someone gets rejected, someone doesn't get their way Someone has a grievance and you talk about this in your content, they have that grievance and is it going to be a social norm where I didn't get my way, I had, this is my grievance and so the ultimate act is violence towards others.
0: Yeah, I mean, violence usually starts with a grievance and it stair steps up through ideation, preparation, there are a couple other steps into an attack. And there was so much focus on the attack end after the tragedy at Sandy Hook, um, hardening schools, active shooter drills. And I thought, wait a minute, what if we focused on the grievance end, gave skills and tools necessary to manage that grievance? Because, Because the reality is, Hardship happens and we're designed as humans to grow through it, to learn lessons from it and to be strengthened by it. There's actually a scientific term. It's called post-traumatic growth. It doesn't matter what it is. We can move through it, but we do need some skills and tools. So how about offering kids these essential life skills that they need so that if they do have a grievance, they know how to manage that and they can actually use it to their benefit and grow through it. And so that's what the Choose Love movement is focused on. I didn't see a lot of other people focusing on that. Uh, At the same time, I would say, um, you know, I I know that there are, some of those hardening measures are necessary Um, I, I, I don't advocate against those, but also at the same time, I will say that Sandy Hook Elementary School had all of the latest technology, those hardening measures in place. That is a reactive response. It is always a step behind because as we know, school shootings happen and every time one happens, they study it and they change, you know, how they maneuver just a little bit. So it's always a step behind the, the point is to get in front of this violence and to reduce fear, to provide confidence. And that's what choose the choose love movement is there for, as well as dads in school, because I don't think, uh, what, what we're thinking about is how this fear that these kids are now internalizing and bringing with them throughout life how that impacts us. I mean, we know that fear exacerbates pain and it also inhibits healing from anything that that is going on in your life, as well as academic progress. (laughs) If you're sitting there you know, wondering if there's going to be a shooter that comes into your classroom and where the exit signs are, then you're not focused on your lessons. It just kind of makes sense. So, how do we, how do we manage that? And and actually, I'll just say, I have been thinking, like, who is the advocate for our kids? So we have a union boss that's the advocate for teachers, not kids. Um, we have the Department of Education, but they advocate academically. Who is an advocate out there for our children's safety, health, and well being that pushes back on certain things that aren't in their best interest? Um, well, we don't have one that I know of nationally. I kind of see maybe you and I in that position.
1: Oh, I agree. And, you know, one of the reasons Choose Lab and Dads in School are collaborative partners and we work so closely together is. Um, there's not a cookie-cutter solution. There's not a one-size-fits-all. It, 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 each city, each school district, each community is different and, and has different dynamics. But the root causes, uh, the, 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 the fact of there's not love, there's hate. You know, that's why I love, just the name choose love. Uh, every day, these students from kindergarten to 12th grade have to choose love or choose something else. And many times those other options are violence. They are drug addiction. They are other, you know, negative uh, you know social skills that, that we don't even want to mention here. But the fact is, uh, they're choosing something, and they're not always sitting there choosing to learn. And so we want safe learning spaces. If we don't educate our children, how are they going to become the next, you know, workforce? How are they going to become the next uh, CEOs? How are they going to be the, the governing bodies uh, that you know keep our society civil if they're not prepared because they've had these negative influences? And so dads in schools were there, you know. Uh, before the bell rings and after the bell rings, we've actually created a component now that where we have a community liaison and through our partnership with the police department, um, we are called when there's a shooting, when there's a stabbing, when there's a murder of a student, uh, we are called. We sadly have to go sit with that parent and help comfort them, but something else happens. Friends, family, um, sometimes if uh, they're part of a large group, sometimes even gangs or crews or taggers are involved and they want to go retaliate. They want to go kill another child or shoot another child in retaliation. So we have to stop the cycle of violence. So we have experts that have shown, you know, in one of our First years, we had a 50% reduction in murders and 65% reduction in shootings across the city because of the program. It's very important that people understand there are people out there that are doing this intervention and prevention work. Without that, crime gets worse, violence increases. We have more murders, we have more retaliations. And then the psycho violence never stops. It just gets worse and worse.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, We definitely need dads in schools in in every city. And anyone who's listening, I mean, a a lot of our listeners are educators and administrators, but we have so many parents out there too. Uh, I know as a parent, I just kind of the way that, you know, I ran being a single parent with two boys is that, you know, the school does all that. I don't really know that much about it. I have to get off work to go to any meetings, which I tried to do, but I wasn't always able to do. And they kind of do that. My job as a parent is to feed and love and bathe and have fun. And and there were really two separate worlds. And I think what the realization is, and, and what we're talking about today is that, and by the way, what I didn't know, but I know now that parents are responsible for their children's safety, health, and well-being. They can, where it doesn't matter where they are. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I was responsible for J- Jesse's safety, health, and well-being. And so parents listening um, that's on you too. And it doesn't matter where your kids are. And so dads in schools is a way and choose love too, is a way to take that responsibility. Um, I tell parents ask me, well, what, you know, what, if you're advocating for positive action, what should I do? I say, Oh, get on the phone in front of your kids and call the school and ask them if they have a program that addresses the root cause of the suffering that we're seeing, Is that is proactive and preventative, that's character, social, emotional development in nature, um, and now call and, and see if there is an organization like Dads in Schools, and if there isn't, Ask if there's a possibility that that there could be one that started. Get together a Facebook group and and uh, ask if there are other parents that are interested in volunteering. What does this whole process look like, Pastor Troy, if somebody was listening today and they thought, wow, this is a fantastic idea. I want dads in schools. How do they go about doing it?
1: So, so dads in schools is a volunteer organization. It is free to the school. Now it costs us money, we raise money to make sure we have a program to offer the school. But as far as the school, it costs them nothing. Um, All all it takes is someone to care. And we have a template. So the the Clark County School District here in Las Vegas is the fifth largest in the nation. I mentioned it's over 300,000 students, over 40,000 staff. So we have all the official paperwork Uh, that we are willing to share with any other school district. Um, We had to go before the school board of trustees and lay out a a written document saying, this is what we will do, this is what the school will do. And we have, at this time, uh, we just signed a five-year extension after years of serving them, another five-year extension uh, going into the future. Uh, to provide this service, again, free to the school district. And so we have training. We partner with the FBI. So they come in and train our men and women on what to do if there's an active shooter. And we have other experts um, besides the FBI because there's also different perspectives. The FBI will tell you this is what we want you to do, run, hide, fight. And then we have others that um, elaborate upon that. And so the biggest thing is prevention. And you mentioned that earlier, if there's something we could do to prevent this from ever happening, one of the biggest fears our family experienced personally was after the UNLV shooter attacked the the professors and was killed on campus here, there was a quick response and the police took him down and everybody applauded that the threat had been neutralized. But then they went to the home, uh, which was an apartment where this professor lived. The frightening thing for myself and my family is this mass murder, his apartment was directly across the street from the high school where my two grandsons attend now. So my daughter, Kristen, whom you know and work closely with, her son and my uh, only son, Troy Jr., his son, attend the high school. So the, the, this is a, a very, you know, horrible thing to have to think. But our family said, thank God he didn't choose the high school. But in the inference of that, it's that he went to the university to kill people. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a horrible quandary to be involved in They're thinking he could have went to the school across the street if he just wanted to kill people, but instead he went to the university. And, you know, we shouldn't even have to think that. We shouldn't even have to fear that. We're like, you know, people shouldn't sit here and say, well, I hope the next mass shooting is somewhere else. Well,
0: that not that what... Everybody thinks when they see a mass shooting, thank God it was in Las Vegas and not where I live. I mean, and and, and in actuality, we're all connected. Uh, what's happening is an outcome of dysfunction within our society. And we have to own that. And we also have to take responsibility for it and be part of the solution. I don't know any other way to do that other than what i'm doing pastor troy what you're doing and trying to get the message out there that people people have to act and 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 there is a way to reclaim our communities our homes but we're going to have to take responsibility and and act and you know, you and I were um, both at the White House when President Biden passed, I think, the most ever sweeping reform on uh, on on community safety. And uh, I think President Biden has signed uh, 27 executive orders on guns alone, and uh, he's he's uh, implemented other laws. And it always surprises me when people call for more laws because i'm i'm looking at incidences where if the laws in place were upheld that they would never have happened and that happens to be the majority of the ones that i'm seeing anyway so it's it's no longer a matter of more laws it's now taking responsibility everyone to say This is not the world that I want to leave my child. This is not the legacy that I want to leave. I don't want my children growing up. You know, I think about JT and his kids. I don't want his kids to grow up and be fearful going to school, be fearful going to movie theaters or outdoor events or like we don't have to live this way. We didn't live this way not too long ago and and so i I don't know what do you i mean this is such an existential question uh and but i mean how did we get here
1: (laughs) well you you bring up a good point and you know just just to bring clarity um president biden signed a bipartisan safer community act that didn't really address guns It, it it was funding they would go towards intervention and prevention, which had not been passed anything similar for 30 years, which goes to your point, people are not investing, whether it's our government or others, and people are not investing in prevention or safety like we could and we should. So this, this little bit of money, even though it sounded like a lot spread across the country, it, it trickles down to very little, but, He did do it. And, you know, our dad's in school program and and what we do with the law enforcement, the recap has been honored uh, by uh, both Republican, Democrat. We've had three separate administrations that have, um, you know, given us accolades, invited us to the White House. And so it's not so much about the laws. It's about what we do as human beings, because it's a human being. It's a human being that chooses violence and it's human beings that suffer. And it is a real human issue. And so it's going to take human beings to solve it. And so that's one of the reasons our model is so effective is because human beings get involved. We get right in the middle of it. We say, who is doing it? Why are they doing it? What could happen next? How do we prevent it? and we stop retaliatory shootings. We have prevented mass shootings. We had one recently, just a couple years ago, it was racially motivated, where students, young high school students had guns, ammunition, had a hit list, where they were gonna go into a high school here and kill other students because of their race, but that was interrupted because of programs like ours we worked directly with there was 10 mothers who their sons were on the hit list and so we we assisted them we had to go to court with them because it was racially charged and it was it was very disturbing to see how deep and dark rhetoric and hate and politics and prejudice had, had you know infiltrated these young hearts of these high school students But it was prevented if we did not have these programs, if we did not have the Choose Love teaching to change hearts and minds, if we didn't have dads in schools actively on the campus, these things will continue. They will get worse and it will become a social norm. It'll be part of America. And we don't want that. So we have to continue. We need to expand this. I hope the listeners are, are thinking about a school elementary, middle, or high school near them. They don't have, you don't have to have a student at that school. You just have to care about the children there. And you can you can pick whatever day of the week, you can pick the hours. And the incredible thing is the relationships that are built, the love and admiration between the teachers. Sadly, here in Las Vegas, there was a teacher that was, uh, uh, there was an attempted murder on her life. She was assaulted in the most horrible way by a 16-year-old student. She had to play dead to survive. And so the fear among teachers being assaulted, their spouses worrying, do you really wanna send your wife? Do you really wanna send your husband to some place every day where they could be murdered, where they can be assaulted, where they can be shot or stabbed or jumped? Of course not. But that's what the spouses of these teachers are facing. And so the, the experience we're having now is these teachers and their spouses are coming up to our volunteers and saying, thank you for mm-hmm. being here because we know that our loved one's not alone. That's what happened with this woman. She was caught alone in the classroom. Well, we're not alone because your dads and school volunteers are present what about all the young men, all the young women that don't have a father figure at home? they have a dad's in school at least for that short time they have a role model someone that says this is acceptable and this violence is not acceptable. This type of you know uh, verbiage and 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 the tone you know yelling and screaming is unacceptable, but this polite, civil way of speaking is acceptable life lessons if you're not getting it at home you're not getting it in the street well at least you'll get it for that time period of school from one of our volunteers so the schools that don't have that they're missing that so those students don't have that life skill they don't have that to fall back on so what do they use what they learned in the street what they learned at a dysfunctional home where there is fighting there is domestic violence mm-hmm. so what's going to happen Scarlett? They're gonna repeat that, they're gonna act that out. And that'll go on another generation, you mentioned about generations, another generation that will have all these things that they'll have to face. That's why I choose love, the social emotional learning to know that you can choose something different to have that, you know, inter-reflection to say, how am I gonna do this? And the, the again, the physical presence, the physical presence of another human being to help stop the negative and to promote the positive way of interacting with other human beings.
0: And and not only do you have somebody there as a role model, you have somebody there that has credibility because they're present, because they're volunteering, because they showed up. And... And that alone means a lot. And so just this is, you know, and, and, and there's so much rampant loneliness out in our society. We're becoming more and more disconnected. And I always talk about the courage that it takes to have an outward service-oriented focus. When you do that... That's the number one way to combat loneliness. If you're out there and you're feeling a little disconnected and lonely, and maybe you're feeling a little helpless and, and hopeless about the world and, and the, the news articles that you're reading every day, uh, kind of garner that courage. We we talk about doing the brave breath. Take a moment to breathe. Maybe do a brave pose and pick up the phone and do that positive Action. Have an outward focus. Ask, how may I serve? What can I do for you? How can I bring either choose love or dads in schools? How can I facilitate this? Because as you said, then you have this group of people. They're friends, you're working together with other people. You now have a new group at the school, too. And you've got the students as well. So you have all of a sudden a lot of activity in your life that's very meaningful and that will fill whatever void that you have in your in your heart as far as being lonely. Uh, it's it's just such an incredible, incredible thing to do. And I'm just so happy that you spent the time today to help explain it with our Choose Love audience, Pastor Troy.
1: Well, thank you. And you know, those children, um, what people need, we talked a lot about violence and murder, mass shootings, but 99% of the time, it is positive interaction, especially at the younger ages. So you got these kindergartners, first and second and third graders, and they're so happy and energy. And, you know, so for those that want to volunteer, you say, well, I don't want to go to this inner city high school where it's violent. But what about all those elementary schools and then the middle school where they're so formative and you can, and then of course the high schools and they're great too. Some do have some challenges, but 99 percent of the time it is positive interaction the kids begin to know your name they begin they'll give you nicknames which is a actually a privilege and they they, they they'll you know some of our guys there was a local gang in one of the schools and they so respect the um the men with the black and white jerseys they nicknamed them the pandas (laughs) like a panda bear like the big panda bear. So that's actually an accolade. But the thing is, what they told their gang is when these panda bears are around, don't misbehave, don't do nothing. They take their stuff somewhere else. We might might not change that whole gang set. That's a whole different topic. But they're not doing it at school because they respect the pandas, the dads in schools with the black and white referee jerseys. So we want to make sure people understand 99% of the time it's positive it's great and sometimes people say well aren't you afraid or aren't you worried well i say what about the little girl that's in first grade if she goes without a black jacket and a gun and a badge and and you know she's not afraid to go to school why would a grown man a grown woman be afraid and take you know if they're taking the risk to get on a bus go to school and try to come home safe and alive how much more us. So I just want to make sure that we're we're clarifying that everyone's not running into a mass shooting situation.
0: Right. We, we
1: are really out there so that we do not have another shooting, whether it's a kid with a gun or some crazy mass shooter, whoever it might be, anything in between, or just simple fight. And a fight never happened because there was an adult there that says, You don't want to do this.
0: Mm. So powerful. So, so those of you listening, you know, grandparents, veterans, retirees, um, even if it's not you reach out to them and suggest dads in schools, send them the link to dads in schools. Uh, we will have the link available with this podcast description And, uh, and, you know, see if you can get something started because it feels really good. Let me tell you something, Pastor Troy, and I know this to be part of the solution, to be doing something positive to help other people. That is why we are here on this earth. And this is a way, these are two ways you can do them both at once to be able to do this and really Really cultivate, you talked about generational dysfunction. Absolutely. We know that hurt people hurt people, but we also know that healed people heal people. So we want to cultivate these healed generations that will go on to heal other people and do really great things. And we can be proud of the world that we're leaving our kids that is safe and peaceful, loving and kind. And it's the same world that we want to live in. We're just trying to create it now. So I want to thank you so much. Do you have any last words of wisdom for us before we leave?
1: Well, I, I, I think the, um, one of the biggest things I'd like people to understand is that there's so much love inside of them personally waiting to be given out. Mm -hmm. And the interesting Mm -hmm. thing is when you pour out that love, when you pour out that service, it, it, it begins to pour back into you, and you just get this kind of river flowing in. And you know, for me, um, you know, it's it's a it's a divine thing. It just flows in and flows out. And and whatever people's perspective is, or whatever their faith is, whatever their uh, heart, it's it's in all of us to do something good. Just about every single one of us would reach down and throw that starfish back in the ocean because it changed that one. And that's that's what I want to leave. Whatever little you have, let it be multiplied and helping somebody else. And, and choose love. We love you. Thank you, Scarlet, for all that you do. And you have exemplified what healed people do, and that's heal others.
0: Thank you so much, Pastor Troy. Thank you, audience, for listening. Thanks for choosing love. Hey, 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 oh.
1: It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you let it in. let